the Catholic Foodie Show on you supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be taking a bite out of Scripture today, and we're going to chew on the readings from uh, yesterday's Mass. You know, the Church reminds us in the documents from Vatican II and also in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that the Lord feeds us at Mass uh, with both the sacrament of His body and blood and also with His Word. Uh, this reality was uh, certainly highlighted for me in yesterday's readings, and I thought it would be profitable for me to share that with you today. Uh, we do have voice feedback today. I'm very excited about that. My friend Trees called in, and uh, I'll share that with you in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I want to uh, thank you for listening to the Catholic Foodie Show. You know, you can always be a part of the show. You can call me at 985-635-4974 and leave me a voice message. I can play that message right here on the show, and I'd love to do so. I'd love to have you be part of the show. Again, the number is 985-635-4974. You can call any hour of the day or night. That is not a number that I will actually pick up and say, hello. Uh, it, it's a, a voice recording service. So you would call, leave your voice feedback, and uh, and I can play that here on the show. If you're more of a live in real time kind of person, you know, you can always call in live to the show. This is Real Life Radio, and we are live. You can call in uh, by dialing 855-949-1380, 949-1380. You know, we say that Real Life Radio is you-supported, and that might just pique your curiosity. If it does, I'm very happy that it does, uh, but you can find out why we say it and how it benefits you by going to realliferadio.com and clicking on the Care to Share link. Uh, you know, Real Life Radio is a media ministry caring for those seeking fulfillment by sharing our faith experiences to find a better understanding of what Jesus and his church is offering. Uh, we're in the final stages of development on an updated app that will better deliver all the excellent content here on Real Life Radio. Uh, we're over halfway to our goal of $20,000, and we need your financial support to make the app the best it can be. Maybe you can only give $20 or maybe only 10 or even a dollar. That's okay. It all adds up. Your contribution, no matter the size, will help us to get to the goal of $20,000 so that we can get the new and improved app into your hands and in the hands of countless other listeners, listeners who are seeking fulfillment, listeners who are seeking God, Listeners who will benefit and grow in faith by hearing real-life stories of the faith experience of real-life people, people who have encountered and who know Jesus. The new and improved app will include easier access to both real-life radio podcasts and live content. The geolocating feature will expand uh, to offer more localized content in more markets, including the Care to Share participation. This campaign, by the way, is called our Real Life Appeal, uh, and you can check it out. Uh, and also find the uh, exciting incentives that we have arranged for you by visiting the Real Life Appeal online at GoFundMe.com slash Real Life Appeal. There's also a link for uh, that campaign over at RealLifeRadio.com. So I want to thank you uh, so much for, for your support. 
Now, you may have noticed that I was not around last week. Um, uh, That's why you heard all these encore presentations of the Catholic Foodie Show. (laughs) I was blessed to be in New Jersey at the Catholic Writers Guild Conference and also the Catholic Marketing Network's uh, trade show. It's an annual uh, affair that they have up there, the two there in tandem. And uh, I was there on behalf of Liguori Publications. They flew me up to help uh, promote uh, my book, um, Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine. And, you know, I love going to those kinds of events. Um, it's, it's, It's just so... So much fun, first of all, but it really is a boost uh, in my faith and gives me a lot of hope for uh, for the future. You know, I've been doing the online uh, thing, this this Catholic foodie thing, which which started out as a podcast. It started out as internet radio, you know, uh, a podcast uh, on demand radio that can be downloaded, and also the website over at catholicfoodie.com where I post uh, inspiration, uh, encouraging stories, and recipes. Lots of delicious, easy to cook in your very own kitchen recipes. And uh, over the years, I've, I've been blessed to encounter many, many people and really have come to call uh, call these people friends. You know, real friendships can develop online uh, through social networks like Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, now you have Pinterest and uh, Google Plus and all these different um, different online platforms. And, and they are, they are real, real friendships. But I'll tell you that nothing really replaces that face-to-face encounter. I can think back, you know, uh, to 2008, 2009, I believe it was, at the first uh, Catholic media or Catholic new media conference uh, that I attended. The first one I attended was in San Antonio, and I got to meet so many wonderful people there for the first time. After having listened to them, listened to the podcasts, uh, probably since 2005, you know, SQPN, all the wonderful podcasts that they uh, produced and that uh, the affiliate podcasts that are associated with SQPN. And I got to meet Lisa Hendy as an example over at CatholicMom.com. Got to meet her for the first time at San, in San Antonio. And what a blessing it was to, uh, to, 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 you know, you're already friends. It's like you already know so much about each other because you're engaged online. You're having conversations online. But then to actually meet in person, I got to meet Danielle Bean for the first time uh, back in 2009 as well along with so many others. Father Roderick, uh, who is the, the, the president CEO of uh, the founder of SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network. Just so many people that I got to meet. And uh, I've gone to other CNMCs or Catholic New Media conferences since then and other conferences as well. This was my first time to go to the Catholic Writers Guild conference and the, uh, and the Catholic Marketing Network's trade show. And again, it was the same kind of experience. You know, you're, you're seeing these people in person. For me, it was some of them were people I'd never met before in person. Others, but they're still friends, right? Others were uh, were people that I had met before, but maybe I haven't seen them in a year or two. And so we, it's like a homecoming in a sense. And I tell you what, as a, as a Catholic, as a believer, as, as a man trying to, you know, live his faith on a daily basis, I love my parish. I have lots of, of, uh, of support naturally in, in my parish, very active parish and, and wonderful friends that are, are, are here surrounding me where we live. And it's not just myself, but also my, my wife and children, you know, we, we live in a wonderful area here. 
But I had, there's so much that I do online because of the nature of the Catholic foodie and the, the, the message that I'm trying to get across. A lot of that is communicated through uh, the website, catholicfoodie.com, but also social networks. And I tell you what, Folks, it is it is so nice to be able to to have those face and face encounters, face to face encounters with with people that I only see or only really engage with uh, for the most part online. It is it is such a, such a blessing uh, running into Father Frank Pavone, uh, asking him to pray for my son. My son is a I don't know. It's kind of weird to say that my son is a fan of a, of a priest, but Father Frank does such wonderful pro life work, and uh, and and my son is involved in in so much uh, pro life activity through the youth group that he's a part of. Um, that in a way you can say that you know he's a fan of <laughs> Father Frank, and I ran into him uh, the first day I was there at the conference and I, I stopped him and told him about my son and, and asked if he would uh, say a prayer for him or give him his blessing. And uh, he says, well, why don't we do it right now? You know, so we sat there or stood there and and prayed uh, for my son and and Father Frank gave him uh, a, a blessing. And it just so many like little neat encounters like that. I got to meet Father Michael Gately, who I have been, me and my family, you know, we've been tremendously blessed by his work, by his uh, writing. The 33 Days to Morning Glory as an example, and then also, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. The Consoling the Heart of Jesus was the first one that we read. It's about the uh, uh, the devotion to divine mercy, and he's written a number of books since then and has a few on the horizon uh, he was telling us about uh, at the conference. So uh, just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I got to meet uh, Gary Zimek, uh, who I have... I've been like a little fan of his uh, for a while now, the the radio show that he produces and his website, followingthetruth.com. And I was able to meet him and also his wife, Eileen, and their two daughters, uh, Elizabeth and Mary. It's just, it was a joy to uh, to meet them uh, as well. And then I just happened to, <laughs> I mean, really, I can't get into like naming all the people I, I met, you know, this, I, I tell you, it's, it's funny because sometimes you do kind of geek out, you know, you, you have that kind of fanboy. I'm a boy. So it's kind of like a fanboy kind of thing going on. And uh, some of the folks that I, I met, it was like that. But I don't want to get into naming everybody because there's just too many people to name. But I will name this one for two reasons. Uh, uh, Sister uh, Helena Burns, uh, I got to to meet her. I just, I was actually dressed in my casual travel clothes. I was about to leave the conference and head home on Thursday. And I walked into the conference just to say goodbye to a few people. And and there, there she was. And uh, wow. I mean, I, I love the daughters of St. Paul, the Pauline family. My wife and I were part of the Pauline family, the Holy Family Institute for a number of years. And uh, we had actually, it's kind of like a third order. If you have never heard of it before, it's not technically a third order. It is a a, 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 a full uh, equal uh, um, part or, or what's the word? Uh, there's a word for this. Uh, I don't remember, but but part of the Pauline family, just like the daughters of St. Paul, the Pauline priests, uh, there's a number of different branches. That's the word, branches. The Holy Family Institute is a full participant. It is a branch of the Pauline family. My wife and I were a part of that. We were actually in temporary vows with them for a, a couple of years, two or three years. And um, after Katrina, we just had such a hard time kind of getting back into it that we had discerned along with our uh, uh, spiritual director that we needed to kind of take a break. So we we did not renew our our vows. And that was a, a year or two after Katrina. 
So I'm going to have to tell you the story a little bit uh, after the the break. There's more to it, uh, but meeting Sister Helena, I tell you, it was she's amazing. She is out there. If you don't know about her, I think her Twitter handle is uh, Hell Burns. Right, her last name is is Burns, and her first name Helena. Uh, so Hell Burns, and I think her website is hellburns.com. If I'm not mistaken, I'll check that uh, over the break or during the break. But in the meantime, you know, we do have to take that break, and you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show. Here here on You Supported Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. Today we're going to be taking a bite out of Scripture. We're talking about the Mass readings from yesterday and, you know, knowing that uh, the Lord feeds us not only with the Eucharist, uh, but also with His Word. And uh, what a blessing that is. That was, uh, in particular, uh, the reading spoke to me uh, yesterday at, at uh, Mass yesterday. So I want to share that with you today. I was finishing up right before the uh, break talking about why I was gone. All last uh, week, I was at the uh, the Catholic Writers Guild Conference uh, slash Catholic um, uh, Marketing Network trade show, and uh, was mentioning just a few of the folks that I got to meet. So many people I got to meet. I was uh, just so excited to, to some of them to meet in person for the first time, and then others uh, to the first time to see them again in about a year or so. So that was just such a treat. And I was sharing with you the fact that I got to uh, meet and geek out over meeting <laughs> Sister Helen. Helena Burns, and I mentioned her website, Hell Burns. It's not hellburns.com. It's hellburns.blogspot.com. That is uh, the website, hellburns.blogspot.com. I have been uh, knowing her and, and, and communicating with her and having conversations with her online for years, and uh, we, we have a lot of friends in common, uh, friends that I know in real life, uh, Sister Ann Flanagan being one of them, who is a native of New Orleans, also a daughter of St. Paul. And then um, uh, Sister Tracy Dugas, who's a daughter of St. Paul, but she's a, a native of Louisiana, of, of the Lafayette, from the Lafayette area in Louisiana. And uh, it was just so neat to finally meet her in person. I was, I have to tell you, I felt like, um, you know, running to a movie star or something. That's how I felt. I was like, ooh, you know, what, what do I do? I all of a sudden become self-conscious, you know. And it, we had a great little conversation short. I was trying to, uh, I kind of had to, to make my rounds and, and, and scoot out of there to get to the airport on time. But um, what a joy that was. And she reminded me as we were talking, and I mentioned maybe possibly coming on the show, she was uh, reminding me of the, the movie that she uh, that she put together, the movie that she made on the life of the founder of uh, the Pauline family, not just the daughters of St. Paul, but all the branches of Paula, uh, Pauline family, Father James Alberioni, who is a blessed now. He's blessed James Alberioni. And I want to share with you just the, the trailer here for the movie is a fantastic movie. You can find out more about it at mediaapostle.com. The trailer is just a little over a minute. I'm going to play that for you right now. Our world is increasingly a media world. Doesn't a profoundly media-oriented world need a profound media spirituality? One man had an answer. kind of unapproachable. He was kicked out of the seminary when he was young. Alberioni understood well his littleness. He knew that he was nothing, but that God was his everything. 
Celeste Barrioni had a powerful insight um, in putting the human person at the center of his thought and his life and his work. And he realized it's not one-way communication. It's not a soapbox. It's two-way communication. The Word of God is not a prisoner. We are not attached to a form. We are attached to the Word of God. We use books, we use music, we use the internet, radio, and all these are puzzles. How can I use this media to bring other people closer to Jesus? He suffered and sacrificed and did everything he could for one reason. It was for the salvation of souls. Our founder used to say, you will always have work to do as long as people communicate. And again, that movie, I highly recommend it. Uh, an amazing, amazing man of God, uh, Father James Alberioni. You can find that movie. You can actually watch it. You can rent it for, I think, $3.99 and watch it online. Uh, or you can purchase it and have it available to stream uh, whenever you want or even download it um, for, I think, $12 or $12.99, something like that. But you'll find all the details over at Media Apostle. MediaApostle.com. And then finally, before we get into scripture, I do want to say, and this is very uh, apropos, I believe, uh, another person that I was so uh, overjoyed to meet is our very own uh, Sonia Corbett, right here from Real Life Radio. Uh, Sonia, I am absolutely loving her her book, Unleashed, um, which I told her, I told her when I when I met her, I said, I said you know, uh, her, her book was primarily marketed for women. You know, I said, I know I'm not a woman, but I'm, I'm loving, I'm absolutely loving her book. And it's, uh, you know, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's about the power of scripture, two things that I, I love so much. So I was bummed though. We, we thought we didn't think about it until after it was a miscommunication. I, I thought she was going to be there kind of the whole time, but she actually got there a day before I did and was leaving right after we met. So unfortunately we didn't get a picture together. I was, I was hoping to do that so we could put it on, uh, maybe on the real life. Uh, radio uh, website, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So I guess we're just going to have to plan some new kind of event and try to get everybody from Real Life Radio together. Hmm. We'll have to to think on that and to uh, to pray. Hmm? How about that? And speaking of prayer, you know, I was thinking today, this is a little bit different. Today's a little bit different. This show is a little bit different. Uh, normally I'm talking only about, uh, you know, food and recipes and trying to bring that over to, to the faith. Today I'm doing a little bit, something a little bit different, uh, trying to, to dive into scripture, to chew on the word of God. The readings yesterday were very, very, uh, uh, powerful for me. And I, I do have some things I want to share with you. And I guess it would be appropriate if we actually do a prayer together. And as I was thinking about that, what, what kind of prayer would I do? Uh, on Facebook, uh, a friend of mine, Kitty Cleveland, you may have heard of her. She is a, a musician. She she has an incredibly beautiful voice. Uh, Kitty uh, actually sang at, at our wedding, at my wife and I's wedding. Kitty is amazing. And uh, she's also the one, incidentally, also the one who introduced um, me and my wife to Father Michael Gately's book, uh, 33 Days to Morning Glory. So I think that's very appropriate here uh, at this time. But uh, just a, just earlier today, Kitty posted on Facebook a prayer. You may have heard of this. It's a prayer to the Holy Spirit, uh, originally uh, penned by uh, Cardinal Mercier. 
And uh, this is uh, this is a quote. He says, I'm going to reveal to you the secret of sanctity and happiness. Every day for five minutes, control your imagination, close your eyes to all the noises of the world in order to enter into yourself. Then in the sanctuary of your baptized soul, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, speak to that divine spirit saying to him, and then we pray. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire of me and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let me only know your will. We'll make that our prayer by saying amen. Uh, If you do this, he says, your life will flow along happily, serenely, and full of consolation. Even in the midst of trials, grace will be proportioned to the trial, giving you the strength to carry it. Uh, and you will arrive at the gate of paradise laden with merit. This submission to the Holy Spirit is the secret of sanctity. So thank you very much, Kitty, for posting that today. It was very appropriate and uh, very inspirational. I appreciate that. And so let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, the readings from Mass. You know, Sunday's readings were all about feeding and being fed from Elisha, multiplying food and feeding 100 people in the second book of Kings to Jesus, feeding the 5,000 in the gospel of John. We're reminded as the responsorial Psalm uh, tells us that the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. Now, I realize that uh, if you're like me, uh, we have a lot going on at Mass, so sometimes it's uh, perhaps maybe having to uh, remind my teenagers to uh, stop poking each other and, and stop uh, squirming around so much, or, or now perhaps it's the, the crying baby that we have uh, crying <laughs> that needs to be consoled, but sometimes there are distractions at Mass and, and we don't always hear the readings, or even when we hear them, life can be so busy and life can be so distracting that on Sunday afternoon or Monday, we don't quite remember the readings. So why don't we take a look at those readings just in case, just in case you don't uh, recall what they were. The first reading was from uh, the second book of Kings. And um, again, both the, 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 the first reading and the gospel are going to be talk about feeding and being fed. The gospel comes from John chapter six, when Jesus feeds the 5,000. So let's take a look first at the second book of Kings. And what I want to do is just point out a few things here as it would relate to food, because this I think is very important, especially as uh, the Catholic foodie. I talk about food all the time. I use food as a matter of fact, as a means of trying to reach out to people to bring them closer to God. So second King says a man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing Elisha, the man of God, 20 barley loaves made from the first fruits and fresh grain in the ear. Elisha said, give it to the people to eat. But a servant objected. How can I set this before a hundred people? Elisha insisted, give it to the people to eat. For the Lord says they shall eat and there shall be some left over. And when they had eaten, there was some left over as the Lord has said. 
So this is uh, this was the reading, and uh, I find it uh, very interesting, very interesting indeed. Uh, but we're going to have to take a break uh, already. This is uh, it's time for a break, and we're going to talk more about this reading. When we come back, you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Foodie Show on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. Before the break, we're talking about uh, breaking open the readings from yesterday, from uh, yesterday's Mass. First reading was from Second Kings, and uh, it's all about feeding and being fed. And if you recall, before the break, I read that reading from Second Kings, and uh, it's about Elisha, you know, Elisha the prophet, uh, multiply, essentially multiplying uh, barley loaves, bread, uh, for people to eat. Uh, as a hundred people, a hundred people uh, were able to eat. And, um, you know, what do I, what do I get? What, what from this reading, particular reading really jumped out at me? You know, uh, this event happened shortly after the prophet Elijah, uh, passed on his uh, mantle and a double portion of his spirit to the prophet Elisha, you know, so you have Elijah and Elisha, uh, second King records several miracles performed at the hands or more accurately, uh, at the word of the prophet Elisha, uh, most famously the miracle of the flowing oil for the widow and the raising of the Shunammite son from the dead. Those are two uh, pretty amazing, uh, amazing miracles or signs there. Uh, yesterday's story uh, from the mass yesterday follows right behind those two, and uh, and it's not hard to see why it was chosen. You know, when they're when the church not you know a long time ago when the church put together the liturgy right. The the days of the year, liturgical calendar, the, the 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 readings that were chosen, it's not hard to see. Really, isn't hard to see uh, why this particular first reading was chosen to go along with the gospel from uh, from uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, the parallels between uh, these two readings uh, are striking. You know, the story, the Gospel of John, is John chapter six, the story of the feeding of the five thousand, and the, the the parallels are pretty amazing. You know, both refer to a barley loaf. Uh, both have a man who doubts or questions, right? Elijah's servant uh, doubts that uh, that the, the number of barley loaves are going to be enough for the group of people. And uh, as we're going to see, we are going to look at the gospel in just a few minutes. And when we look at the gospel, you're going to see that Philip doubts. Philip asked Jesus, like, what are you talking about? How in the world is this small amount of food going to feed all these people? Right. Both of them have that. Uh, they, they question or doubt even the possibility of feeding such a large crowd with, with so little. Uh, both stories and both stories, God not only meets the needs, and this is, I think, for me, the most striking element of, of both these stories. Uh, God not only meets the needs and satisfies the hunger right, of the people, uh, but he goes above and beyond in his providence. Uh, they're actually leftovers both times. So I think that's interesting. You know, when you talk about God, I know for me, I think a lot of times I feel like um, it may, perhaps it's a feeling of unworthiness when we approach God and we ask for something. Uh, and perhaps we have some kind of a need and we go to God, and but we feel kind of unworthy. And so we, we limit God. We, we, we 
automatically assume that if he does help us, he's only going to do this little teeny tiny bit, right? Just to, just enough, just enough to cover whatever it is that, that we need. And yet, when we look in the scriptures, that is not, that is not the image of God that, that's given to us, right? Elijah or Elisha uh, says that not only is God going to provide and feed these hundred people, but they're going to be leftovers. And it says, it says that uh, uh, they had eaten and they were full. They were, they were, they had eaten and they were satisfied and there were leftovers. And they, I mean, think of, think about the wedding feast of Cana. You know, I love this story. I love this story for many reasons. I mean, Jesus being there at a wedding and, and, and blessing, blessing this, this, what I guess could be termed the natural sacrament, right? The, b- between a, a man and a woman, this, this, the marriage is a natural sacrament it has been since the beginning of the world the beginning of creation. And, and, but God, Jesus at this wedding feast of Cana blesses this couple with his presence. And we see this, this, uh, this, this natural sacrament raised to the dignity of a sacrament, one of the seven sacraments, sacrament of matrimony. And what does Jesus do? You know, they run out of wine and we have this kind of weird conversation between Mary and Jesus and Mary is saying, son, they have no more wine. And he's saying, what concern is that of mine, woman? You know, kind of mysterious conversation going on here, but there's all points behind all of that. There's, There's meaning behind all of that. But, but the point here, what I'm trying to say is what does Jesus do? He changes water into wine, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't change it into like, I don't know, what, Strawberry Hill? What, what is some bad wine? <laughs> what, what, what is some Gallo? I, I don't know, some low end stuff? That's not what Jesus does. Boone's Farm. That's a, that's a, that's a low end, right? Jesus doesn't do that. It's the finest wine. It's the finest wine. And it's, it's enough to feed. I mean, they could have drank that wine for weeks. That's how much he did. That's how much he made. I mean, so you see this extravagant love of God, this this overflowing, overpouring, uh, or overflowing, outpouring of love and providence from God. And so that's what I want to emphasize here. And that's what I got from the first reading is that God doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything halfway. Matter of fact, oftentimes he doesn't just do everything all the way. He goes above and beyond, right? Above and beyond. So I love the the responsorial psalm was Psalm 145. And again, it's that 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 theme. If you think of from the readings, it's kind of over over and over and over again. We hear this recurring theme. The the hand of the Lord feeds us, right? He answers all our needs. The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. It's just a beautiful, uh, a beautiful uh, theme to hear over and over again throughout the readings. Uh, it's, it's the, almost like the the core message that we're supposed to get. Uh, out of it that day. Now let's look at the gospel. I want to come back. We're actually going to come back to the second reading because I think whereas God is really feeding us with that first reading and he's feeding us with the gospel, that second reading is in a way a call to go forth. Uh, you know, at the end of mass, uh, matter of fact, the name mass comes from what the, the last words of, uh, of what was, you know, the, the liturgy in, in Latin. And it, it, it means literally to go, go out, go forth. Right. But we get that mass is what we get from, from that. And, uh, we call it a mass, but so the end of the liturgy is ascending forth where we're getting sent out. You know, you have been fed here, you have received. And since you can't give what you don't have now that you do have, go give, 
right? That's what we're being told. Go give. And so that second reading is sort of like that mandate to, to go out and we'll, we'll come back to it. But let's look at the gospel reading. This is, this is the gospel of John, um, John chapter six, which if you're, if you're, you, you know, you're Catholic and uh, you've read any apologetics or, or you've done any Bible studies, uh, John chapter six, typically we think of that and we think of it in terms of um, the, 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 the bread of life discourse, right? Jesus is talking about how his flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. If you do not eat the flesh of the blood of, uh, of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But John chapter six starts, you know, in verse one, it starts out with something different and it leads up to that bread of life discourse. See, Jesus does something. He, 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 he demonstrates his power. He, what John calls a sign. He shows a sign. He makes a sign uh, in the beginning of John's gospel. And it's only because of this sign that later he has this bread of life discourse that he that he gives this, this, this message he gives to, uh, to the Jews about how he himself is the bread of life. Let's listen to the gospel here. Pray that the Holy Spirit, again, keep in mind, praying the Holy Spirit will help us to, you know, receive this word, that, that we can really be fed with this, that, that he opens our minds and our hearts, that, uh, that we can take it in. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick, Jesus went up the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 days wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, The brother of Simon Peter said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place. So the men reclined about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed them to those who were reclining and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the fragments left over so that none will be wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 wicker baskets with fragments and the five barley loaves from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off and make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. That was from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, the first part of the Gospel of John, verses 1 to 15. And, uh, you know, again, if you can see the parallels, can't you, with uh, the first reading, the multiplication of the loaves, uh, in this case, the fish, except Jesus is feeding more people, 5,000, 5,000 in number. And it's easy to see too, this is oftentimes the theologians will refer to this as one of the um, uh, stories that have a, a distinct, a distinctly Eucharistic um, 
uh, message to it, right? Eucharistic uh, symbolism to it. What, what does Jesus do? He gives thanks, right? He breaks and he gives. Same thing that we see Jesus doing at the Last Supper, right? Very Eucharistic overtones, giving thanks to God, breaking the bread, and then giving. Take this and eat, right? So this is uh, this is very important. We're going to talk a little bit more about about this particular story. Uh, we do need to take a break, but we'll be back in just a, in just a minute. You are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I am your host Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. We need to take a break again. We do, but we'll be back. Don't worry, we'll be back in just a minute. Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I am your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. We're talking about the Gospel of John right now. Uh, we, we, uh, we read through the uh, yesterday's reading from the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, uh, before the break, and uh, talking about the fact that it's a very Eucharistic reading. Uh, has a lot of Eucharistic symbolism uh, in it. And uh, again, we're, we're talking about this today because the readings from Mass yesterday really struck me. You know, they are very, very much, uh, uh, I guess, foodie-related. Uh, it's all about um, uh, feeding and being fed and the fact that it is the hand of the Lord who feeds us, right? The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. That's the responsorial psalm, and that's really what what it's all about. But we also have a call to action, and that's what I'm trying to get to here in this segment. Uh, and so I wanted to share just a few things about this uh, this reading from John's Gospel, the very beginning of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a long chapter, most famous because of the Bread of Life discourse, as I mentioned before the break. Uh, but, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the multitude, is the fourth of uh, the signs that Jesus worked uh, that that uh, that John reported, right? John always refers to these as signs. They reveal the power of God, the power, the, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, is the Lamb of God, is the Messiah. And uh, so this is what uh, the fourth one that John shares in his gospel. And it's interesting to note that the feeding of the multitude is mentioned in all four gospels, which shows us what? That it's important, right? It's something that we need to pay attention to because it's important. And uh, it does, we talked about the parallel between the Old Testament reading from yesterday and also the gospel, which was Second Kings, the story of Elisha, the prophet Elisha uh, feeding the 100 uh, people with, uh, with uh, just a, a number of uh, barley loaves. It was apparently a miraculous uh, feeding there as well. And so that you do have the parallels between that story and the gospel. But this particular reading from the gospels, along with, with the remainder of John chapter six, uh, really hearken back to the Exodus. It harkens back to the story of the Passover uh, and the Exodus. You know, the description, as I mentioned uh, before the break of Jesus uh, taking the loaves and giving thanks and then distributing them, uh, it, it prefigures the celebration of the Eucharist. You know, we see that again in the uh, in the, the Last Supper uh, narratives that we have in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? John does not does not cover the institution of the Eucharist in his gospel. Instead, we have uh, this particular uh, uh, giving thanks, right? Taking, giving thanks, breaking and distributing. We have that here. And then we also have the bread of life discourse in, God's, in John's gospel, but we do not have the actual 
Eucharistic, uh, uh, the institution narrative in John's gospel. But this symbolism harkens back to the Exodus, right? There's a lot of parallels here um, in the Exodus. As an example, let me see, I'm looking at my notes here. I want to try to get what I can get in here without, before we run out of time. You know, in the Exodus, the Jews were said to eat unleavened bread because they were, you know, hastily driven out of Egypt and had brought no provisions with them. Uh, and then Jesus feeds the multitudes here with earthly bread because they had brought no provisions. They were out in the wilderness area listening to Jesus. Apparently there's a lot of grass there. That's why I made them sit down. Um, and they rushed out to see him. And so Jesus feeds them here with bread. Bread. And again, with with fish, uh, with fish too. Uh, it's interesting to note that right after that, you know, the, the gospel today ends with Jesus going off to the mountains to pray by himself. Right? They're going to make him king. And why are they going to make him king? I mean, you think about it. All these people, five thousand people, and and the, the the thing that really jumped out at me, the the, the reading from the Second Kings, is the same thing that jumps out at me here. They all ate. And were full, right? They they were satisfied. They didn't just get a little bit. They didn't just get a bite, right? God went above and beyond. God overflowed in his love and in his providence and what he provided for the people. And they ate until they were full and they had leftovers. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful sign. The leftovers, by the way, you see this at mass. You see why uh, after the distribution of communion, why the priest and the deacon are so concerned to make sure that that the vessels are cleaned properly, that all the, the particles are uh, uh, gone into the chalice there. They're put into the chalice and the, the, the vessels are purified and everything is consumed. And if there are any hosts that are left over, they go into a ciborium and they're placed in the tabernacle, right? So like there are leftovers there. Uh, it's like there's a connection and a symbolism between what you see at the end of the distribution of communion and what you see here in the feeding of the multitude. And why is all this important? Going back to the responsorial psalm is what? The hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. In, in the world that we live in today, if you are in uh, the Western world, you're in America, like I am, uh, you are in uh, Western Europe, uh, you, in, in the West in general, we tend to be very affluent. And uh, America in particular, we have held on a pedestal for, uh, well, the last 200 years, right? This whole idea, this whole image of the self-made man. You know, we can do it ourselves. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh, you know, the self-made man, someone who maybe even comes from poverty, but makes a life for himself and, you know, dies wealthy and leaves money to his children and his children's children. These are the kind of the ideals that we look up to. And it's not that we should be lazy. It's not that we shouldn't try and we shouldn't work. That's not it either. But our American ideal of the self-made man is not very biblical. You know, it really isn't biblical. If you look in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the, 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 the main thrust through all of it, first of all, is God's active participation in our lives. God is here. God is with us. He's in relationship. He wants to be in relationship with us. And he's not here just as like an imaginary friend. He is actually really, really here, really with us, really wanting to relate with us, to, 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 to hear us when we pray and to, uh, to, to speak to us in our hearts and to speak to us perhaps through scripture or through other people. 
And who knows? I mean, you look at the lives of the saints. Some of them actually heard the voice of God too, heard Jesus appear to them or, or spoke to them. So that's possible. Most of us probably won't have that kind of experience, but, but it happens, right? Uh, and so God is real. And if you look in scripture from Genesis to Revelation, God takes an active, an active role in our lives. It's very easy for me. You know, I have work, I, I, I make money. So it's very easy for me to maybe fall into the mindset of, hey, I put this food on our table, right? I'm the one who's paying for this uh, vacation or paying for the roof that's over our head. That's all me. But if we stop and think about it and we're honest and we look in scripture and we see how God works and what he does for us, then it becomes Well, we start to see the bigger picture, right? That God does provide. God gives me gifts. He gives me talents. He gives me certain uh, desires even to do certain work. Uh, God provides, opens doors, opportunities come my way because God does that. God works in our lives. So the Lord really does feed us and he answers all our needs. And as I was reflecting on this uh, yesterday afternoon, you know, and, and really trying to look at that, at that last reading, the, the, the second reading, which was from the uh, letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, it kind of all came together for me, right? We cannot give what we don't have. And when God feeds us, he doesn't feed, he does, he loves us and he feeds us uh, because, uh, because, simply because he loves us. But oftentimes that overflow, right, the, that overflow He's feeding us because he wants us to go out in turn and to feed others. He wants us to go out and to share what we have received. And that's what we get from that, uh, that, that second reading, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I'm going to read that to you very quickly. It's a short one, very short. He says, brothers and sisters, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love striving to preserve the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, one body and one spirit, as you were also called to the one hope of your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so right here, uh, you know, what do I get out of this? I get the, the fact that, you know, we're all part of God's family. We're all one. We're brothers and sisters, Right, we're part, or you can look at it from St. Paul's uh, image of the body. We're all part of Christ's body. We are the body of Christ. We make up uh, the the one, and we 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 are joined together. Right, we make up the body of Christ, and so I cannot get away from that reality. And the thing that really struck me as I was thinking about this yesterday and praying about this is the fact that, you know, I had this experience of living in Mexico, doing missionary work. I lived with Mother Teresa of Calcutta's priests. Uh, I was in formation with him for, for two years. So I lived among the poor. And I also did work among the poor here in the United States in Baton Rouge, downtown Baton Rouge in particular when I was younger. Um, and, you know, 18 years, 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, and then lived in Mexico. And... Um, I've, I've lived in poverty. I've lived among the poor and, and I see the beauty of God's presence among the poor. God really does dwell among the poor and it's beautiful to, to see, to see how he uh, takes care of them. But as I said, you know, a few moments ago that growing up in middle-class America, as I have done living in America, as I do, that oftentimes we tend to be insulated 
you know, and, and we don't always see poverty, first of all. Everything's so sterile and so clean and we don't really see poverty. If we do see it, it's on television, news stories about places way on the other side of the world. doesn't really affect me. And yet, because of my experience in the past of living among the poor and working with the poor, I, my conscience doesn't allow me to, to, to stay insulated, right? It doesn't allow me to do that because my conscience knows from experience that, hey, that's my brother and sister, right? I can't, I can't say, uh, what was it that, that Cain and Abel, right? What, what was it that Cain said? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, Jesus would say, well, yeah, 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 you are, as a matter of fact, uh, my brother's keeper. So that's my brother. That's my sister. You know, and then the question comes back, well, if God is feeding me, if God is feeding me, how should I feed others? And what should I be doing? You know, we're almost out of time here, folks, uh, today. I want to thank you so much for listening to uh, the Catholic Foodie Show today. I am Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. I'm so glad that you spent some time with me today. And there's so much here that I want to share that I haven't gotten to today. Then perhaps we're going to have to continue this uh, conversation tomorrow. Again, I'd love to hear from you. 695-635-4974. Email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Again, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, bon appetit.